Before we get started, as we close out 2017 and plan for 2018, we want to know how we can serve you better in the coming year. What did you like about the podcast this year, and what did you hope to hear more or less of on a weekly basis? For instance, more of Don, less of JJ. (laughs) No, no, no. As a thank you for participating, (laughs) please, they want to hear from me. As a thank you for participating, we will be sending 10 people Amazon.com Gift cards. That's awesome. You can buy a lot of different things on Amazon now. I shop there a lot. So to submit your feedback and be part of shaping the future of the podcast, simply go to buildingastorybrand.com slash survey and fill out the survey before December 31st. That's buildingastorybrand.com slash survey. Welcome to the Building of Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., it's that time of year where we do best ofs. Best of, best of, best of. You read like the best of music, best of. I do. I love like you love the, them. Like top nine on Instagram and your video recap oh, on Facebook yeah. and like all I, of the I best like of. Like, I like the best of Instagram. Yeah, because and even like best of songs of the year or movies because you forget. You forget stuff that came out clear back in January. Yeah. And it just recaps, brings it all back together. I especially love like the funny ones that are like, here's some of the lows of you know the year and that are more in the funny context of yeah. stuff because a lot of times we can get wrapped up in mm-hmm. you know the moment of everything and where there's a lot of heavy stuff and to look back and go actually this was a really good year in a lot of ways yeah, like for a lot of right. us we had a lot of great things that happened like on the podcast in particular I know the amount of people that we got to interview that kind of just blows me away <laughs> it's like, a little bit crazy we talked to an astronaut I mean come <laughs> on we talked to an astronaut and that's huge. And so to look back on some of that kind of stuff is really fun for me. Well, that's exactly what we're doing, JJ. This was this is tailored for you. It is. Today is best of 2017. So we're gonna play sentimental. clips of the best interviews of the year. Yeah. And I want to get started right away. The first interview is a little known guy who helps entrepreneurs. <laughs> yes. Just His name is Seth God- Godin. How do you pronounce Godin. it? Godin. Godin. Seth Godin. Seth Godin. Seth Godin. <laughs> I think is, is how you pronounce his name. Seath? Is it Seath? Is it Seath Godin? <laughs> he wrote a book called Treeps. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of this person. <laughs> Seth Godin was on the podcast. Of course, you all know who he yes. is. He's brilliant, and we had a wonderful conversation. He talked about how to be a creator in a world where speed seems to win. When is it time to just ship it yeah and so to open the best of a little clip from my interview with seth Godin. how important is speed today I mean, the world is moving very very quickly and you seem to produce you're prolific you're one of those prolific business writers out there but people listening aren't all writers we're all in different sorts of industries you know when you talk about shipping it getting it right shipping it testing the audience those kinds of things is this because We've moved into an age where things, they have to happen quickly or we're not going to survive? Oh, I don't think so. I think there's many kinds of speed. So there's the difference between the dry cleaner who takes a month to dry clean and a dry cleaner who takes an hour. That's speed in service of your user getting work done, your user moving forward. And Amazon and others and Federal Express have taught the public that slow isn't generally better. 
if you can meet spec, and meeting spec is the best definition of quality, if you can meet spec, speed is better. Define meeting spec for us. Okay, so when people say the word quality, those who are afraid of one-star reviews get all hung up. Their quality has something to do with deluxeness. Their quality has something to do with luxury, right? But the fact is a Honda Civic was a high-quality car 15 years ago because it did what it was supposed to do. A luxury good, like an Hermes Birkin bag, might not meet spec. It might have a thread that's broken or whatever. We have other words to describe those luxury goods. But what I am taking from Crosby and Deming, the two gods of quality, is keeping your promises is what quality is. So I don't think that our friend Brad Thor would say that his books are more literary than John Steinbeck's. But he keeps the promise. They're entertaining. They're page turners. They keep you occupied on a train or a plane. Exactly. So they are high quality. And if he spent more time writing them, they would not be better. There would just be fewer of them. Yeah. Okay. So given that that's the statement, the question then comes down to the cycles of speed. If I can fail more than you, I will learn more than you. Because every time I fail, every time I engage with a human and it doesn't work, I've learned something you didn't learn. So one approach to the market, not the only one, but one approach to the market are fast cycles that are engaged with active learning and then repeated. There's a totally different way to do it, right? And the other way to do it is when Jeff Koons comes out with a new style of art, it might take him three to five years. This is the last cycle cost more than $50 million. No one in the art world saw what he was doing. He bet everything on building something in isolation. And then when it was good enough, met spec, he brought it to the marketplace. If you play that game, your chances of going bankrupt are much higher because you're listening to an internal voice. And I got nothing wrong with that because as a consumer, it's okay with me if 10% of the people go bankrupt as long as I get the benefit of the other 90%. But if you're the maker, I think you have to think really hard about what benefits you're getting from going more slowly than the competition. Because there are some, but there are trade-offs as well. All right, if you want to listen to the whole interview, the entire interview with Seth Godin, just download episode 55 from the 2017 podcast list. Next, it's my good friend Chase Reeves. Chase has been a friend for a long time. And you know how you have these friends and you kind of hang out and then they do amazing things and it takes you a minute to go, oh my gosh, wait, this guy blew up. (laughs) Yes, yes. Chase is kind of like that. And uh, Betsy and I, well, we all went to Portland for the summer. I mean, can you believe that happened in 2017? Yeah. (laughs) The whole staff lived in Portland, Oregon for the summer just to get out of the heat of Nashville. Which we got there and it was 100 degrees. It was 100 degrees. Yeah. I didn't have the heart to tell friends back in Nashville that at 100 degrees I could still ride my bike 10 miles without breaking a sweat. Yeah. There's something called (laughs) humidity that is oppressive. Anyway, we stay with Chase and Melissa, good friends, and I got to see a bit of Chase's business and how he operates. He has a company called Fizzle, and he talks about you know how you need to set goals, reverse engineer your dreams, uh-huh. and get things to happen. He works with thousands of entrepreneurs, helping them become extremely successful. Anyway, if you have a big dream for 2018 and you're sitting there going, I don't know how I'm going to get this done, Chase is a big help. Here's a little yeah. clip from my interview with Chase Reeves. I like to think backwards from the final product. So for me, I do these bag reviews on YouTube. Yeah. It's just like a passion project. So I don't have any schedule with this thing. I just release them when I release them. I make them when I make them. 
But if I really wanted to make a video, I'd have to go, okay, well, the final step is I've published that video and I sent out the tweet about it. That's it. That's it. So Got that's it. the first thing on the list. Literally, you just write that. just the, write that's the, that. In fact, that's like the name of the task. We call it, Storybrand, we call it putting the ball in the end zone. Yeah, that it's is like that, exactly You got to picture the ball going, what does it mean to actually get the ball in the exactly. end zone? There's no points. There yeah. are no points until that happens. And if I was really sort of a judo person about this, I would go like, how would that feel and get into all that? But I don't. I just write that and I go like, what needs to happen before that? Well, the video needs to be edited. And what needs to happen before that? Well, I need to have, I, I make a custom music track for each one of them. So I need to have the music put together. And what needs to happen before that? Well, I need to have the video actually recorded. What needs to happen before that? Well, I have to have the lighting set up and I have to have the audio set up. Well, what needs to happen before that? Well, I've got to have my like five bits on the bag that I do. You know, I just have to make a piece of paper and I have my little process that I do for each of the bags. I need to do that. And what needs to happen before that? Well, I need to pick a bag. Well, which bag are you going to do? Yeah, and there you go. Guess what I need to do now? Yeah, pick <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Pick a bag. You're all the way back to the beginning. And it's just so simple. And it's so simple. And, and in a world of notifications and emails coming in, you know, I remember- You know what I, you've done there in your brain, though, is you've paved a sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. You reverse engineered a sidewalk through a confusing field, and now you go, okay, that's where I walk. That's where I walk. Because clarity, you talked about this earlier. Yeah. So much of a lack of motivation is actually a lack yeah. of clarity. Yeah, man. Your yeah. brain is just going- I know we want to do this, but we don't know how. Now, this is where motivation comes in. Do I want that? Because right. what I say always you is like, you're not do. it takes an extraordinary amount of energy over time to be successful. We know this. The trope is 15 years to be an overnight success, right? And it's an extraordinary amount of effort to be successful over time, right? Why would you do that if it's not something that you wanted? Why on earth would you put all that That's time so interesting and energy because I'm in? about to go into a meeting with a guy and we've kind of created this narrative architecture mm. for a big deal. Yeah. I mean, a big, big, huge deal. Yeah. And it will cost him his life. Wow. If he wants to do it, he will never be the same. Yeah. The big question to leave him with is not like, do you think this plan will work? Do you think blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if this happens to you, do you think you will have fun? Yeah. yeah. And if he says no, my recommendation is we don't execute the plan. Because you'll fail. Yeah. Why will you fail? What do you know about that? Because you won't get up in the morning and do it. Yeah. And the first time you get punched in the face... Yeah. You're going to go down. Yeah. Everybody had a plan to get punched in the face. That's, yeah. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> it's, this is, it is. This is way more hardship than joy. And that's why I'm making this turn in my life where I'm like a lot more just like heart oriented for that well, exact I mean, I reason. I think there's a strategic. Because I think there's a, literally a strategic yeah, a reason, reason why. If you want the results, you have to have that. You have to be able to wake up early and do the things and be joyful about it. Like be pumped about it. All right, if you want to hear more of that interview with Chase, download episode 60 from the Building a Story Brand podcast. Moving on, mm -hmm. maybe my favorite book of 2016 was The Four Disciplines of Execution. Yes. Revolutionized our company. Yep, we read it. Yeah, it was one of the books that, one of the very few books, two or three books, that as a company we just said, we're indoctrinating this, we're institutionalizing this yeah. company-wide. And it's a system for you to actually get things done. Yeah. Again, the book is called Four Disciplines of Execution. One of the authors is Chris McChesney. This guy was everything you want him to be. Yeah. <laughs> Just incredibly dynamic, incredibly charismatic, had a wonderful conversation. But now that you set those goals yeah. and you reverse engineered them, you're going to have to have a repeatable system that you work every day, every week in order to execute on those goals. Yeah. Here's Chris giving us advice on how to get things done. Chris McChesney. Another way to say it is that the maintenance of the existing system, maintaining, keeping the doors open, is gonna take 80% of everything you've got. And if you just sort of accept that as a reality right off the right. bat, 
you become much more realistic around how you burned the other strategic 20%. You automatically know you've got to narrow your focus. But I'll tell you, there's, there's something worse about this whirlwind thing. And the longer we've stayed at it, the more we've seen, there's sort of a human flaw that we all sort of share, where in the moment we will choose an urgent activity over an important activity. And I gotta let you think about that for a second, right? The urgency and importance are not the same. And we will default to urgent versus important, almost regardless of how important the important thing is. We go urgent. I know, it's actually quite amazing. I'll find myself slipping into it where I actually have to stop and I say, wait, I'm putting off something that could lead to a million dollar revenue stream in order to tackle something that is just almost meaningless in, in comparison. But they, yeah, they're it's the just ones calling or me. There's someone's expectation. Yep, you just nailed it. Another thing that you talk about in the book that we tend to do, and I know some people are going to identify with this, we tend to blame it on our people. We tend to think, well, we're not getting things done because we have the wrong people. Meanwhile, we didn't give them a system with which they can execute. We didn't lead them. We didn't give them a plan, and we just say, well, they're the wrong people. Do you see guys doing that? If it wasn't for Edwards Deming, we never would have put our finger on that. And I'm the worst violator. I'm a big blamer real quick. But Deming said, if it's the majority of the people the majority of the time, sorry, boss, that's on you. You, you do not, if it's the majority of the people the majority of the time, you don't get to blame the people. That's called common cause. One idiot is special cause. We can all deal with one idiot. Yeah, it's like the leader who says, everybody I work with is easily offended. Yeah, exactly. In other words, he's offensive, right? Okay, so those are a couple things that if you're listening and you're like, hey, it's my people, they can't get things done, or you know, I'm doing things that are urgent, I can't figure out what's important, this is a, an execution plan for you. I want to get to the solution now, and there's four disciplines, i.e. the book, four disciplines, and the first one is focus on what is wildly important. So define wildly important and tell us how we can focus on it. It's about getting narrow and it's about getting clear. Explain getting narrow. What do you mean? In other words, you know, that 80% that's the day-to-day -day maintenance, the leave it alone. Don't try and force everything into the four disciplines. This is not a shotgun. This is not a process for managing your whole operation. It is a rifle to aim at your strategic bottleneck. The way you word it, you say focus on less so you can accomplish more. Yeah, there's something in your world that if you did it, a whole bunch of other things would go in the right direction. Right. Right? What lives at the intersection of really important and, geez, if I'm honest with myself, we are not going to get this done. Like, it requires a special treatment. We call it a wildly important goal. The wig is not this year's version of our goals. It's something that if we applied a special treatment, the four disciplines, it would really change the game around here. How do I decide what my wildly important goal is? You're saying it, but if I've got 50 things that I think I need to do, which one of them becomes my wildly important goal and why? If you graphed it, you had an x-axis that was how strategically critical is this? How critical to the strategy on the x-axis and the y-axis is how at risk is this of failing, right? Mm -hmm. The thing in the upper right-hand corner is probably a pretty good candidate. Gotcha. And by the way, better to pick the wrong thing and keep it a small number and just go after one thing than to pick two or three good things and have too much. We teach that just in terms of messaging. Your company can only be known for one thing. If you try to be known for four things, you're crowding people's brains because the brain just can't process that information. Yeah, because those four things are also competing with the yeah. whirlwind. It's not like those four things exist yeah. in a vacuum. And it's really hard to have more than four or five priorities, 
right? I mean, let's just be real. So what happens is nothing gets done because we're focused on so much. Yeah, and this discipline one can be very simple for a team. For a given team with one function, it's as simple as having that critical thing identified, having a starting line, a finish line, and a deadline. That's pretty simple. If you're an organizational leader and you've got multiple functions and the goal that you need to achieve is going to require cooperative effort across a bunch of different functions, then it's an exercise of translating that strategy into the fewest number of executable targets so that none of those teams have more than one sort of critical objective they're going after, and it's got to roll up to ring in the bell. If you want to hear that entire interview, and I highly recommend both listening to the interview and reading the book, Four Disciplines of Execution, download episode 67. Another giant in the land, uh-huh. Nancy Duarte. Uh, She's probably the world's leading expert on giving keynote addresses. I have a business crush on her. We all have a business yeah. crush on her. Yeah. <laughs> she has helped over a quarter million people I know, it's create amazing. keynotes. And when she gives her talks, like her TED Talk and stuff, they're so fun to watch because you learn so much, but then like she just presents so well. Well, yeah, she practices what she preaches. Yep. She wows an audience, and it's pretty incredible. She gives us some very practical advice on how to give a great speech. She answers the question, can anyone give a good presentation? And she also kind of goes off on how story really helps. So there's some overlap between what she's doing and what we're doing. Here's a clip from my conversation with Nancy Duarte. I think what happens is because we're under pressure all day long and under deadlines. I mean, there are some presentations you could do quite a bit more loosely, like, you know, basically think through the structure and go in and deliver your staff meeting or your project update. But when it's really high stakes and you really need people to move and coalesce in mass in a direction, it takes more time than you would think. Like even the guy who really understands that his TED Talk's high stakes, you do put a little bit more energy and you need to. And what tends to happen is we just take the first draft of anything and we shouldn't. A lot of times we open up a presentation software and we just start to create linear slides, you know, and in reality, it is much more of a collaborative process. So a lot of roles, they're building analytical work all day. They're drafting reports or doing research, but To create a really good presentation, it's a completely different mindset. It's actually a creative task. So I actually encourage people to change their environment and go somewhere else to write their talk just so they don't go into their old way of thinking, their old modality of working, and that they actually really take it on and craft it out like it's a creative project. And then collaborate, collaborate with others and get their feedback around how the audience might resist because we have our own mindsets. We have our own way of looking at it. And if you collect mindsets, even though someone will say something ridiculous, some ridiculous way someone might resist, you know what, someone might resist that way. (laughs) It's crazy. I do think it's important to craft and recraft and finesse a talk when you have to get it right, when the stakes are high. It reminds me, there's times when I have to give a really good talk or something, and I'll rely on the fact that, well, I've given it a bunch of times before. And instead of actually sitting down saying, wait, no, who is this audience? It comes back for me to that Stephen Pressfield idea of When there's something really important, there's this enemy that makes you not want to do it. I love that. Isn't that so true? It's like, no, I got to sit down. I got to redo this. What do you say to somebody who says, I'll never be a good presenter? I just don't have it. 
You know what? I think it's they don't want to put the energy into it because I've seen scientists shake in their boots and kill it, you know, and it takes work. And I think a lot of people will use that as an excuse. What's interesting is my husband, you have to drag him to get him to talk. But once he has a talk and it's scheduled, he's so elegant and eloquent and prepared. I think the people who are willing to just run up on stage unprepared are the scarier ones because they just will take up the audience's time, they'll ramble, they won't prepare, it'll be just awful. But when you can get one of those guys or gals that's really scared, they prepare and they will not waste your time and they will be succinct and they will be clear and it'll be lovely. So I just think it's getting over fear and then actually making the commitment to do it. Well, and the commitment to do it ties into your next idea that you've become so known for. And it's such a relieving idea, and that is that there is actually a mathematical formula you can follow to give a good presentation. There's a path worn through the human brain that if you camp your presentation along that path or walk that path, people are going to get it. They're going to lean in and they're going to listen to you. Is, is that true? Would you call it a mathematical formula? It is. You know, it's funny. Somebody keeps changing my Wikipedia entry saying I have a math major. And I would say <laughs> if I had majored in something, I wish it was math because I, I love statistics. I love analyzing words and seeing if they create patterns. So I went on a three and a half year journey through storytelling and really wanted to understand there's so much power in the spoken word, Don, you know this. I mean, so much gets created. The invisible becomes real because someone has the guts to speak it out loud. There's not any movement you can point to in history that didn't start with an impassioned plea from someone's mouth where he got everybody riled up and excited to change something. Well, presentations are the spoken word, like we're spoken word experts. And it's just crazy how much analysis hasn't happened around what were the words that were spoken that were effective and do they follow a pattern? And I would not have found this pattern if I hadn't spent three and a half years just a consumer and a student of story, storytelling, story structures in cinema and literature. If you'd like to hear more of my conversation with Nancy, episode 66 of the Building a Story Brand podcast. On with the great advice. Yeah. I really want every podcast we record to have some practical advice that makes people money. Mm-hmm. Like, just do this thing, yep. and it'll make you more money. Because we're all trying to grow our business. We all have to pay health insurance. We all have to pay taxes. We yeah. all have to pay our people. We all have to pay ourselves. Yeah. And in order to do that, we got to make some money. And I don't want anybody wasting their time listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast. And this episode, we got right to it. <laughs> Shocked full. Exactly. The whole thing. Yeah. It's a conversation with Ray Edwards, author of How to Write Copy That Sells. Ray gives us some really practical tips on stuff we should say in our emails that will get people, one, to open them, two, to read them, and three, to part with their hard-earned cash yeah. <laughs> in order to help us solve a problem that they have. We're going to discuss different phrases uh, if you don't do anything, it will get worse. It's one of the phrases mm-hmm. he says you need to use in an email. What most people do is one of the phrases people use in their emails. And also getting people to imagine themselves using our product. Magic phrases that will make you money. That's episode 63 of the Building a Story Brand podcast. Again, listen to the whole thing. But here's a little clip of my conversation with Ray Edwards. Here's another phrase. We started with the start with an if-then statement, or you can use that anywhere, but it's a good start. Here's another one. If you don't do anything, it gets worse. Yeah, because people, they don't want to do anything. We are great creatures. Nobody wants to change. We're great creatures of denial. What we will do is what we've always been doing, and we will expect a different outcome. 
And it never happens that way. So people, given the opportunity, will stay with the inertia or the, the gravity, which is don't do anything. Just keep doing what I've always been doing and wish that it worked better. Right. And so what I like to do is point out that's a flawed strategy. And I just say, if you don't do anything, it's only going to get worse. And then if I'm teaching students how to write copy, I'll say, now just spell out the ways it's going to get worse because you know it's true. And always in a room full of people, the heads will start nodding. Oh, yeah, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> whatever the business is, whatever yeah. the service is, they know if you don't do something about it, entropy will take over. It'll get worse. It'll deteriorate. It's a way of kind of waking people up. To reality. It fits into the failure category of the story brand framework. You yes. got to point out the negative consequences of not doing business with me or nobody's going to be interested. Here's a great example of denial. We know that in any given endeavor, about 3% of people will succeed in that endeavor, whether it's sports, whether it's as an author, whether it's as a business person. So if you have 100 people in the room, that means three of them will succeed. Everybody thinks they're one of the three. <laughs> All 100 people. But yeah. we know 97 of them are wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you got to wake people up to that. Yep. Oh, I love it. I usually okay. just tell them that. It makes them really uncomfortable. <laughs> what most people do, dot, dot, dot. This is another statement that you like to use in copy. What most people do. So in any business, any service, any product that you sell, there's things that most people do to try to solve the problem right. or try Doesn't to band-aid it that don't work. So I just say, well, what most people do is, and then I list all the stuff that doesn't work. Most people waste enormous amounts of money on lawn care. Most people try to get weeds out of their lawn by themselves. Or most people... Spend a lot of money on brand advertising that doesn't make any difference in their bottom go. line. Most people buy Facebook ads that are so unclear it's a complete waste of money. Yes, they do. Most people think Facebook ads are a waste of money, but it's because they don't have a clear message. Or let's just write this down. <laughs> Somebody transcribe this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. But you go negative there. What most people do is, and they make these mistakes, don't do that. Use our product or whatever. Right. You know this in whatever your business is. You know the, the solutions that most people try. They're sitting across the table from you saying, well, I've tried this, I've tried this, and next I'm going to try this thing. And you're sitting there shaking your head saying, that's not going to work. I've okay. seen it a thousand times. Yeah. Well, tell them, you owe it to them to tell them the truth. That's not going to work. Here are the things that most people do that don't work. Love it. By the way, we're going to give you a link that you can go to on the internet that you can actually get all of this written out and explained. If some of you are trying to pull over and now, take notes. How much are we going to charge for that? It's going to be free. What? What most people do is I'm they charge a lot of money for that. But yeah, what we're going to do is we're <laughs> going to give it to you for free. <laughs> because if you don't download it, then your business is going to go to go to Paul. Let's just use our stuff. Here's why. And if you don't download this list, things are going to get worse. Yes, They're absolutely. Worse. But imagine, Ray, if you did download this list of Ray's favorite sales statements. And imagine you could write copy <laughs> that just sold your product or your services without being pushy, without being salesy. There you go. Imagine that your bottom line increased, your profits increased, your amount of work decreased. Imagine you're able to hire the staff that you want without having to worry about whether you can make payroll every month. And just imagine that. Yeah. Now, what did you just do? You imagined all those things because I told you And you, you like to. the word imagine because it's envisioning for people a successful ending to the narrative that you're inviting them into. It's the only language that I know of that you can use that literally you're commanding people to have a picture in their head. And you can phrase it differently. You can say, just picture this, if you will, for a minute. Picture yeah. yourself or imagine that and people instantly obey that command. What's the value of them of getting your customer to actually picture it in their head? Because the goal of all advertising and marketing and selling really is to get people to do one thing, to picture the successful outcome that your product will bring them. That's, that's what you really want. All right, that one's going to make you money. I like ending with the one that's going to make you money. But, yeah. JJ, we're not done. No. There weren't just five uh -huh. good interviews in 2017. There were 10. Yeah. We have five more next week. Next week is also a best of 
2017. How lucky are we? Seriously. Like, even just going back over this and listening to these again, yeah. I'm like, seriously? We, yeah, it's kind of humbling. We got to be in the presence. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> like, we get to not only hear all this, but then we get to share it with other people. And all I, that, we apply it. Yeah, people, we do. Yeah, people are like, yeah. what drives you guys to do the podcast? Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> we get so to we apply get the advice. and Free advice from, yeah. <laughs> from these experts. You would normally have to pay these people thousands of dollars yeah. to hang out with them that, and ask them questions. That's Seath It's Godden. a giant con game. This whole podcast. <laughs> this whole podcast. It's just free consulting. Free consulting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep running the con yeah. all the way through 2018. Seriously. You're in it with us. If you're a listener, we're getting free advice. So make sure to pay attention next week. Five more great clips from great interviews from 2017. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's record Dive Deep on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 